Get ready for the Indian Macbeth, Mumbai Noir, and the best of contemporary Bollywood cinema. If I got to see a Badaiho every year, I will happily die. Welcome back to another edition of listener-supported KPBS Cinema Junkie. I'm Beth Accomando, and today we continue our celebration of Bollywood. For part two of my month-long tribute, Hooray for Bollywood, I'm again joined by Movie Wallace podcasters Yazdi Pathalava, Rashmi Gandhi, and Joseph Jan. In part one, we define the intoxicatingly over-the-top style of classic Bollywood cinema and the unabashed way it embraced its particular form of melodrama. Plus, we heard the irresistible music that fuels these films. And I'm still smelling the incense Rashmi had burning when I arrived at the Movie Walla's home studio, and still savoring the flavors of the deli chaat and samosas, the intermission snacks she had out that are almost as key to Bollywood cinema as the musical numbers. When you go to see a Bollywood film, it's an event. It takes a good chunk of your day and requires sustenance halfway through since running times can be three or more hours. And that perfectly dovetails into a new feature of Cinema Junkie, which is the YouTube Geeky Gourmet videos. I'll have some Bollywood intermission snack videos so you can plan your very own Bollywood night at home with food. In both the previous episode and this one, we're going to give you some suggestions for films to watch. But you don't have to have a pen or pencil poised to jot down the titles, because we're going to put these lists on the KPBS website at kpbs.org slash cinemajunkie. Because you're going to want to keep this list around as reference as you work your way through the catalog of Bollywood cinema. Or if you're already well-versed in Indian film, maybe this can be a reminder to revisit some of these films with fresh eyes. Earlier, we discussed the golden era of Bollywood cinema, and now we're going to define what the term Bollywood means today and recommend some recent titles to seek out. But before we do that, I need to take one quick break. And to take us into the break with a share your addiction is Ryan Bradford, who may have the perfect chili obsession to beat the summer heat. Hey, hey everybody. My name is Ryan Bradford from Awkward San Diego. Um... My movie addiction is any film set in the snow, and this might be because I grew up in snowy Utah, but few things warm my heart like watching a cold, desolate movie where the characters are at the mercy of the elements. I'm actually kind of surprised that there aren't more films set in snowy locations. I just assume they're kind of difficult to film, uh, but the ones that exist are stone-cold classics. Fargo, A Simple Plan, Hateful Eight, Misery, and one of my all-time favorites, John Carpenter's The Thing. In all these movies, the weather plays as much of a character as the actors, and it really ups the claustrophobia, paranoia, and isolation. So, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Thanks, Ryan. Snack on a little Bollywood popcorn, and then I'll be back with part two of Hooray for Bollywood. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome back to Cinema Junkie's Celebration of Bollywood. 
let's pick up with Rashmi looking to what marked the end of Bollywood's golden era. Yeah, for me, um, Beth, as I mentioned in the last podcast, I think the slump really happens mid to late 80s. For me, it feels like it's the advent of VHS and a lot of Indian films being put out on VHS versus releasing cinemas. Cinemas are dying. And so there's no place to actually watch these big epic uh, movies that we were used to seeing. And in addition, I think the quality and the availability of Indian TV, both in the UK and in India, starts to get much better. So now instead of getting the three hour movie, we get the 20 part series and the dramas are really good and they start to have storylines that families care about again. Yeah, I would agree. I think uh, video piracy combined with availability of good television kind of brought that golden age to an end. And also I think that there was this whole generation of exalted filmmakers who just kind of wore out and there was nobody, nobody left, you know, to ably take their place, at least in that early 80s time frame. And when we were talking about Bollywood cinema, one thing that is interesting is that Rashmi, you were in London and Yazdi, you were in Bombay. And yet some of what you're talking about in terms of the experience of these films and watching them are very similar and they're very much tied to food and to family, it seems. Yeah, I think the films to this day continue to be almost surgically constructed so that anybody who has any kind of emotional connection to India, that it'll elicit that reaction from you. Even now with movies that are being made, there are some which are very explicitly catered towards the non-resident Indian population, whereas there are some others which are catered towards the more rural dynamic in India. So I think these are very precision made and they are made in a very calculated way to kind of get that reaction from people regardless of geography. Yeah, Yazdi and I are always surprised by how similar our experiences of movie watching Bollywood were, even though we were growing up in, on completely different continents. And I think exactly what you said, Bollywood is a family time. Most Bollywood movies are rated such that grandma can watch it with toddler. And so I think that's how we connected as a family growing up. And so now, do you see Indian cinema as kind of, or recently, do you see Indian cinema as kind of going through a resurgence or a a new wave? I do, and I think, you know, this new generation of auteurs, if you will, have come to the fore in the last 10 or 15 years, and in my mind at least, created this second golden age of cinema where they've kind of challenged you know, the shackles of the typical formula of, you know, your 60s, 70s Bollywood movie. And they have been kind of breaking the norms in terms of the kinds of stories they tell, the kinds of actors who are in it, in taking on very difficult subject matter, etc. And I just love that, you know, sometimes I'm besides myself thinking that not 15 years ago, you know, it was taboo to watch uh, you know, two people kiss in Indian cinema. It was a huge taboo. And, well, know, that's why trees were created. Yeah, and there was—I mean—and there was so much suggestive symbolism in those movies, and that that symbolism itself was far more vulgar than you know two people kissing. And you know, there would be like these trains going into tunnels, and you know, these flowers uh, shaking at each other, and there'd be all this kind of—and <laughs> then you know, people uh, hiding behind the trees is when I said the trees. Yeah. 
And then, you know, they would do these very, very suggestive dance numbers where, you know, the Sri Devi's wearing the thinnest sari and it's raining. She's completely drenched. And that was okay, but, but you know, no, no kissing. But they've created a new kind of age for Indian cinema where they're pushing the boundaries and I can't have enough of it. And I think also women directors, Gurinder Chadha, Meera Nair, doing out of India stories as well, like the bandit like Beckham's and the Bride and Prejudice. Lonely Mr. Coley from Los Angeles came to Punjab on one bent knee. Monsoon Wedding, Kama Sutra, all of these movies that cross the boundary of the Indian subcontinent, I think have also helped to propel Bollywood as we thought of it forward. Since Joe was a little quiet on the first podcast because he wasn't really as involved in the classic era of Bollywood cinema, let's start with you, Joe, and tell me about a film that from recent Indian cinema that really has stood out for you that you feel people need to see. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think like many people, I found the, the Bollywood concept, the idea of going to see a film that was Bollywood, just almost a bit tiresome. Like the idea was going to be very long, very time-consuming it would be what you did that day and so I was kind of resistant for a while to seeing them in cinema we'd watch them at home which was great you had the pause button but we went to see a movie a few years ago called Joda Akbar that was a huge epic movie they played it actually locally here in San Diego there's a cinema in Poway that does play big uh, Bollywood films um, and I kind of went into it with eyes rolling thinking oh here we go you know it's gonna be a big you know all singing all dancing Bollywood number and it kind of was three hours and 33 minutes in length but I enjoyed every single moment of it and I think one of the things that really worked well for me was just the scale of it I think it was just it's a very classic tale it's a, it's a tale from history uh, it's set in Rajasthan which is you know a very historical kind of land of kings part of india and um you know that movie was just it had everything it had the songs it had a great soundtrack by a.r rahman who does so many of the modern indian theme tunes You know, it wasn't necessarily an all singing, all dancing kind of Bollywood, but it was, it was just very big in its themes, big battle scenes. Just For me, I think it, it reminded me that Bollywood could do big, big Hollywood blockbuster style things, which I think in my mind I had at the time, most of them were kind of, you know, 70s, kind of slightly chintzy special effects that were a little suspect and, you know, added sound effects and dubbing, things that didn't quite work for me that felt very kind of cheap filmmaking, but this was big, it was epic, it was well produced, it was beautiful to look at, uh, and just, just a stunning movie. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, this movie is a great example of this new batch of filmmakers. And this is made by Ashutosh Kovarikar, who also did Lagan, which I think a lot of Western audiences may know. It was nominated for Best Foreign Film about a decade or so ago. And him, along with Sanjay Leela Bansali, they're great aestheticians. They just aesthetically created these 
eye candy for you. It just, I mean, when you're watching it, you don't know where to look because there's so much beauty on the screen. Part of it comes from their selection of ridiculously gorgeous actors. I mean, I'm like, where did they find them? I mean, the, it's... Genetically perfect. Genet- yeah. I mean, the, the glare of their faces is just too much to take. You've got to kind of move, you know, move your head away. But it's, it's just amazing that this filmmaker has made a name for himself for, for the visuals they create. Well, I think that for me, one of the things that does define Bollywood cinema is that visual appeal. I mean, the sense of just explosions of color and just people and clothes and settings that are just spectacularly beautiful <laughs> to watch. I mean, that sense of escapism, I think, is really there. You do, like, for that three hours, are entering a completely other world. <laughs> uh, and Rashmi, you want to uh, start with one of the films that you would like people to seek out? Absolutely, and it's the complete opposite of what Yavi and Joe just described, and it is the film called The Lunchbox. And it was um, written and directed by Ritesh Batra, and it's a beautiful love story that never is, and it's about... um, And Yazdi, I love your stories about when you grow up and you had a lunchbox that was delivered. So in Mumbai, and this has been studied by MIT, this is a slight down the rabbit hole, but there is a system um, where basically a lunchbox gets gathered and then it reaches your destination. Yazdi, you tell the story way more eloquently than I do. Yeah, I think there it's probably listed in, in textbooks as one of the most complicated logistics ever handled for anything in the world, like within a period of one hour, because the, the moms and the, and the cooks in the home will only have their food ready at 11 o'clock in the afternoon. And they want to make it hot so that it gets to the person in their office by noon. So within this one hour time frame, lunch boxes get picked up from everywhere around the city and they get delivered to the right person and their rate of error is like 0.0000 something ridiculous so they almost never make a mistake and so the story the lunchbox is about that 0.00001 time that the lunchbox gets delivered to someone who it shouldn't go to and what happens as a result husband kal raat bahut der se aaye wo kuch nahi bole dear ilab Things are never as bad as they seem. I love this movie just because, and it's got no songs, no no Bollywood numbers. So it's not traditional in that sense. It's truly modern day. But it's just a beautiful unfolding of family, of expectations, of who you are as a person, what's expected of you. It's just a beautiful love story. It just, it breaks my heart every time I watch it. And it's just stunningly told. And Yazdi, I know you have trouble paring down your list, but where would you like to start with your recommendations? I'm, I'm just going to mention a few movies, which are all available on Netflix and Amazon Prime legally. So folks, you know, whoever wants to make that first inroad into contemporary Indian cinema can pick any of them. So Jab We Met, Dil Dhadakne Do, Kapoor and Sons, Dil Chata Hai, Three Idiots and Andadun. Those are all on Netflix. And then Devdas, Padmavat 
and Ye Jawani Hai Diwani are all on Amazon Prime. I would, without a doubt, recommend any of them to anybody, no matter what kind of background you're stepping into. Some of them are just amazing fairy tales. Other ones are more contemporary settings and some are full out historicals, but they are all incredible in their own way. Uh, the one I want to pick to talk about is... The Not from that list. It is from that oh, list. Oh, I was going to say. Both of my movies okay, are good. from that list. <laughs> I have a hard time paring down, as we all do. But no, the one I want to pick is uh, Dil Chata Hai, uh, which translates to What the Heart Wants. Dil Chata Hai Kabhi na bite chamki le Dil Chata Hai It was directed by uh, Farhan Akhtar, uh, who subsequently went on to direct many other movies, and he himself has been a lead actor in many movies since. But because he was, I think, maybe in his late 20s when he made this movie, when it came out, it was unlike anything you had seen in that it represented a more modern, a younger India. And it's the story of three friends who kind of are at, are at certain crossroads of their individual lives and how they're kind of trying to navigate difficulties with contemporary India. It's so modern in its sensibility. You don't have that, you know, sobbing, crying mom, you know, trying to emotionally manipulate their sons. Instead, you have more understanding, more mature moms. The settings are more contemporary. And the whole thing just resonates with what felt to me like my story, like me growing up. There was an authenticity about it. And of course, doesn't hurt that, you know, great actors in that particular movie. So it doesn't really break any new ground, but just by virtue of it being a recording of how the younger generation in India is living their lives and what their problems are, it just does a remarkable job and gorgeous, gorgeous music. Yeah, I feel like this era of Bollywood movies, and again, we keep calling it Bollywood, but of Indian cinema was a turning point even outside the Indian subcontinent because my parents were from East, born and raised in East Africa and migrated to England. And they held on to a version of what they thought India was 20 years ago and felt like they wanted to engulf us in that in some way. Um, and I feel like this era of cinema is really helping break that mold because unbeknownst to us, India had moved on, but our parents hadn't because they had left a certain era behind. And Rashmi, do you have another film that you would like to recommend? I do. So my next one is a movie called Gully Boy. And it's about 2019. Um, it's directed by Zoya Akhtar, who is also another infamous um, director in Indian cinema. And I love it because Gully actually means Ali. And this is a story about escaping from your what you're born into. A young boy who's born into a poor family in the alleyways of India and uses rap as a way to escape his life and better himself.
So it's got a great soundtrack. It's very modern in its sensibility and really, really well acted by um, Ranveer Singh, who has become like the number one hero in Indian cinema. And um, Alia Bhatt also stars in. She's this fearless actress who covers all sorts of topics. Great, great story. I think I made Joe sit through this one. No, you did. It was brilliant. It was kind of like um, an Indian version of Eight Mile, but yeah. good. But it was actually, you know, it was. It had. It surprised me in so much, so many ways because I think, again, we have a very specific idea of what Indian music can be. And this showed us that there's rock in India, there's rap in India. Those kind of themes were surprising to me even now, um, because again, India has such a, a specific image that you conjure up when you think about Indian classical music or classical movies. I need to take one more break and then the Movie Wallace crew and I will continue our list of contemporary Bollywood favorites. But first, I need to share my own cold turkey because I have a rant I've been dying to get off my chest. Hi, I'm Beth Accomando, and here's something I want movies to stop cold turkey, and that's the perfectly dug grave. You know what I'm talking about, those graves that look so perfectly made, like a bulldozer came and dug them out. Well, anyone who's ever tried to dig a grave knows that it's really hard work. But in a movie, someone will go out to bury someone and dig a grave, sometimes not even with a shovel. And the grave we see just a few moments later is a perfect rectangle with right angles that would make your geometry teacher swoon and with sides that are so pristine they look like they've been plastered over. It's so frustrating to see that in a movie because no matter how good the film is, it pulls me out of the film and makes me wonder how did they do that. So please, filmmakers, stop giving us these perfectly dug graves and show how difficult it really is to dig a grave. Then I can let this matter rest in peace. Okay, I feel better. Enjoy this micro Bollywood intermission and I'll be right back. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome back. We're going to continue with our best of contemporary Bollywood cinema list with another pick from Joe. Yeah, the, uh, my second pick is a movie called The White Tiger. Uh, this was released on Netflix last year. When you come to India, you'll meet hundreds of millions of servants like me. Driver, sorry, what's your name? Sir, Balram, sir. Balram, I got it. No worries. Ooh, seriously, I got it. It's, uh, it's a movie based on a book. It's um, superbly acted by a guy called Ardash Gaurav, who, to me, was possibly one of my favorite performances of all last year. I mean, I really feel that it's just such a well done story. It covers so many themes of modern India, poverty, corruption. It's not, again, it's an Indian movie without music, so it's not based on movie, but it has this very epic feel to it. It's one of my favorite themes of any movies, which is, you know, justice and injustice. And so I watched it and I was literally blown away and moved to tears by the end of the whole thing. So uh, just a very powerful movie available for anyone that has a Netflix subscription and really run, run, see this movie. It's a century of the brown man and the yellow man and God save everybody else. 
the way you're talking about the the Indian films now and about the lack of music in some of them or the way music is different. One of the films that I discovered a number of years ago, or a filmmaker too, is Ram Gopal Varma mm -hmm. and Company. And one of the things that I really liked about it is, as a fan of, of film noir and grittier stuff, this is kind of what they refer to as Mumbai noir. So it's gangsters and it's kind of this milieu that I'm familiar with and enjoy. And you still have the musical numbers, but they kind of try to integrate them in a more realistic manner. So they go to a cabaret or a club and there's a number, but of course the number is like on a stage that could never possibly fit in any club anywhere. that felt like a transitional film that you know they're still acknowledging kind of this the place that that Indian cinema came from and how appealing those elements are but they're adding this kind of grittier more realistic layer to it and I seem to remember I haven't seen the film in a while but I remember there was um, a scene where some of the characters were like off on the periphery of a crowd and it almost felt kind of like, hey, this is the new Indian cinema looking in on, uh, you know, the old Indian cinema. And it's a transition taking place on screen, you know, within the dynamic of the story as well as externally. But his films I really love. And I do love this whole notion of that Mumbai noir. And that's a pretty, as a, I don't know if you would call it a genre, but a, a category of film that seems to be really growing in popularity now. Absolutely. There's there's a whole genre of the crime underworld, mm -hmm. you know, and predominantly set in Bombay. So many movies, especially in the last 10 years. Uh, Vishal Bhardwaj, uh, who's one of my favorite filmmakers, he's made three movies which are all Shakespeare adaptations. One is of Hamlet, one is of Othello, and the other one is Macbeth. And there's been millions of interpretations of Shakespeare, but this is so contemporary set in India. If somebody didn't tell you this was based on Othello, you wouldn't even realize it. They are gritty, they are very, very rural, but with a nasty underbelly of violence and crime and so forth. Just flat out brilliant movies. Yeah, I came to that table very late under Yazdi's recommendation, and we just watched Mukbul maybe about six months ago in, um, in quarantine. And I was blown away. So Mukbul is, is the name of the Macbeth um, parallel. So good. The production is amazing. And the acting is just, it blows you away. And again, few songs, but very well placed when they do come. So they don't feel strange. And do you have another official recommendation, Yazdi? I do. I'm kind of struggling. I'm trying to, if, if you haven't noticed, I'm trying to squeeze in as, as many additional yeah. movies while each of you are picking your own. I know. Um, so I'm going to cheat and I'm going to mention just one movie, but uh, I'm, I'm going to mention that there's this actor called Ayushman Kurana. He has worked with different directors in the last five or six years and created this sub-genre of movies, which are all about a nuclear family in contemporary India 
which are still very bound by tradition. So a smallish town where everybody is very bound by family and tradition, but it's still happening in contemporary India. And these movies are all just an absolute delight. They're very realistic. And the uncles and aunts and sisters and oh, brother-in-laws that you meet. <laughs> I'm so no, happy. No, no, I'm not going there. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I know where you think I'm going. but <laughs> So the, a whole series of movies that he's been in. But the one I'm going to bring up is actually uh, a movie which I think is a very, very good entry in the Bombay Noir scene, which is uh, Andadun, which literally means blind tune. And it's this noirish tight movie it's I think only 90 minutes long and it's about a man who is blind who perhaps has witnessed a murder it's just full of double crosses and triple crosses and it's meant to just make you giddy and it's almost too smart for you it's always trying to be ahead of you it's I've, I've recommended this to so many people and they've all loved it it's playing on Netflix I would definitely recommend it each see as kind of the future for Indian cinema? Is there something that you're particularly excited about or concerned about or, you know, does the industry still seem strong? I'm just very, very happy about filmmakers who are challenging the status quo. Uh, there's a movie which came out just a few weeks ago on Netflix called Sanjay or Pinky Farrar. <laughs> And that whole movie is an exercise of turning everything um, backwards, be it gender, being, you know, what society expects of men versus women and all of this. And I, what just gives me a lot of hope is the writing. And when I watch, you know, on one of our Moviewala's podcasts, we recently talked about the movie Paglayat, which Rashmi and are absolutely... That's where I thought you were going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we absolutely adore, but... The writing in there is just so good. I feel like I am with that family, living with them, the kinds of things that they say. But Daiho is the other movie that also has Aishaman Karana, which, and notice Beth how I'm throwing, I'm dropping names, <laughs> but uh, that's another movie. If I got to see a Badaiho every year, I will happily die. I mean, that movie just made me so happy. And you know, when you get irrationally, deliriously happy by seeing a movie represent where you came from and represent it well and kind of make you feel uh, that this is as good as it can be, that's something amazing. So I have great hope for this new batch of writer filmmakers who are making their own movies with not not very big name actors and still being commercially successful. Yeah, I've always believed, Beth, that movie has the ability to change people's way of thinking. And so I'm just thrilled that modern Indian cinema is challenging the way that the Indian public thinks. And if nothing else, creates a platform for dialogue to move the country forward with respect to caste, religion, gender. So it really excites me when I see great actresses being given the opportunity to play the central role. And again, I'll mention Alia Bhatt. 138579. Switchboard number. 56829. Code. Country 92, City 51. She's kind of one of my favorites who's doing this fearless work. It just excites me also to see myself represented in some ways as well.
and for those ideas to challenge my family's way of thinking. Um, so more of that. And I think also with the advent of streaming, our ability to get hold of not just Bollywood, but Indian cinema from the region, from the subcontinent. And I think of films like Elizabeth Ekadashi. Great movies where children play a central role and it kind of shows what rural life is like um, outside of the major, major city. So more of that will be fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I'm still waiting for Indian movie to have its, you know, the what was the category of Chinese films that came out to Hero and um, the Wuxia genre of movies that House of Flying Daggers. We had Crouching Target. We had that moment when you know the the films from China and and that part of Asia had the huge moment. So I'm still waiting for India to have that kind of moment where it crosses over into the mainstream consciousness. I still think that you have to go seek Indian movie right now. You have to find Indian cinema. So um, my hope is that, you know, in the not too distant future, we'll have a moment like that where something, you know, may, maybe like Slumdog, but not necessarily, you know, made by a Western filmmaker, but something made by an Indian filmmaker that truly transcends, uh, you know, becomes hugely popular here. Like a Roma or a Parasite. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for my final choice, I just want to mention a film that I think kind of bridges both episodes we've done here. This is a ridiculously fun film called Bahubali Part 2, and Yay. it does not yes. matter if you saw Part 1. <laughs> um, and technically, I know this is not Bollywood, so anyone out there who wants to yell at me, um, it's the Tollywood version of um, Bollywood films. <laughs> But this is a film that lovingly kind of with this wink wink pays homage to the old, the golden era of Bollywood, but with CGI and massive battles and even more gorgeous stars and costuming and, you know, fans blowing the actor's hair perfectly and, you know, it's ridiculous. But we showed this film at the Digital Gym Cinema and people were just so overjoyed at seeing it. So if you want to dip your toe in and have never gone this way before, this is a contemporary one. So kind of the, the cheesiness is a little more knowing and self-aware and it is so much fun. So um, that is my recommendation. It's from 2017. And if you want, you can go back and watch part one. But honestly, you can watch these films in any order and it doesn't matter. And I want to thank Movie Wallace for joining me to talk about Bollywood cinema in this month of uh, Indian independence. And special thanks to Joe, who's been my tech person on this uh, coming out of quarantine. It's nice to have somebody here with four microphones. So thank you. And, and why don't you go ahead and tell people where they can find Movie Wallace? Thank you. Yeah, um, we're a podcast. We've been going for 10 years. Uh, you can find us at www.moviewallers.com uh, but we're on all the good podcasting service so pot spotify apple podcasts go to our website uh, there's links to subscribe there and um yeah we we're on instagram facebook twitter all of the above so find us we're not that difficult to find um and love to hear you um, see you join our community That 
wraps another edition of KPBS listener-supported Cinema Junkie. I want to thank Movie Wallace podcasters Yazdi Pathalava, Rashmi Gandhi, and Joseph Jan for their wonderful knowledge of Bollywood cinema and for their hospitality in hosting this recording of Cinema Junkie. Remember to check out part one of Hooray for Bollywood, as well as the new Geeky Gourmet video, where I'll introduce you to more Bollywood intermission snacks. You can find the video and the podcast at kpbs.org slash cinemajunkie. I'd like to acknowledge the team that makes Cinema Junkie happen. Podcast coordinator, Kinsey Moreland. Technical director, Rebecca Chacon. And director of sound design, Emily Jankowski. Coming up next, I look to representations of Asians on screen and speak with Destin Cretton, director of the new Marvel film, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. For thousands of years, the Ten Rings gave our family legendary power. And you can find out what part I played in Destin becoming a filmmaker. So till our next film fix, I'm Beth Accomando, your resident cinema junkie.